0: A reading from the second chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the peoples, chief priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, here we are. Brand new year. About... Three of us in here, a little bit more than that. wondering how things are going to go for the new year. I'm kind of a curmudgeon about New Year' stuff, to be honest with you, I guess I should own that. To me, it's just another day. <laughs> if there weren't calendars and years, we wouldn't know the difference. We would mark the times and times of season and harvest and cold and warm the way that our ancestors did before the calendars were created. We wouldn't worry so much about resolutions. How many of y'all keep resolutions? Anybody? I don't see any hands up. Are y'all afraid of failure like I am? You just get to that point, you're tired of setting yourself up to be disappointed January 8th. <laughs> I'm not eating any more pizza this year, you say. And, you know, then there's a football game on and you think, man, it sure would be nice to have a pizza. Life is like that, right? We want to mark occasions and flip things, because we want the next day to somehow be miraculously different. There have been days in history when things like that happened. The day that Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary was a marker and a time when things changed intensely in the world. The day that Jesus was born, laid in a manger... And the outcasts of society were drawn to that manger by God. That day was a revealing day. That day was a day that changed everything. The day that Jesus was revealed to the chief priests and the scribes as a real threat. And they sent word to Pilate that they would have him killed. That day was a day that changed everything. The day that they nailed him to a cross and killed him. And a Roman centurion looked at him and said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Revealed to him in the way that Jesus suffered and loved even from the cross. That day changed everything. And on the next Sunday, when angels rolled back the stone and God called His Son from the grave, that day, Changed everything. And all of that has been revealed to people who have followed Jesus all through the ages of the church. From the very beginning, God has been at work. And the people that God have called to the manger and to the cross and to the tomb and to worship. To reveal to them what the Son of God is doing in the world. Redeeming the world from sin and death. Being a king who rescues his people from exile. God is a revealer. And that's what we remember on Epiphany. That God would have us know Him. I said this just a couple of weeks ago. That when Jesus was talking about eternal life, He said eternal life is knowing God. That revealing, that drawing in to the life of the Holy Trinity. That's what we see happening in this story. As God has reached out to however many of them it were. It may, we say it was three because there are three gifts, but there could have been, you know, 20. There could have been 40. Who knows how many astrologers hopped on camels and headed west across the desert. Who knows? But regardless, what we do know is that God used something that they were continuously looking for. Something that would have been normal to them. I'm sure these people had seen the birth of a new star before. I'm sure that they had probably seen an astral conjunction or whatever people were saying the Bethlehem star was recently. Whatever it was, they had seen similar things as they watched the heavens and their practice of astrology and the things that they did. But in this particular moment, God used something that they were used to looking for to get their attention. I was amused by the Bethlehem star stuff, remember? Did you notice how suddenly, like, aware of the Christmas story all the media seemed to be? (laughs) It's the Bethlehem star. And Facebook posts and all this copy and paste stuff, and we still don't know what the Bethlehem star was. Some of the dates for that conjunction don't line up. In the ancient Near East, they believed that stars were living things. So it would fit perfectly well. It actually fits better in Matthew's story if the star is an angel who only revealed itself through light. Because conjunctions don't come down and hover over a house, right? Doesn't happen. But God used something in a way that they normally looked for. it Some light in the sky. Something that God knew would catch their attention. To catch their attention, and to make them see that something unique had happened, that in Bethlehem, in Israel, a king was born. And so they come, and they get to Jerusalem, but you might have noticed that the star wasn't quite enough. They came to ask Herod, where is the one born of the king of the Jews? And that's significant, because Herod was not born a king of the Jews. He was appointed a king of the Jews by the Romans. He was actually an Edomian. He was not Jewish. But he wanted to be king of the Jews. He wanted the people to accept him and love him. He built the temple, but he was also a ruthless and bloodthirsty person who wasn't looking for a Messiah. He wanted to be Messiah. Messiah. He wanted to be the king of Israel who would sit on David's throne. So he's alarmed when these people come and say, hey, we saw his star when it rose. We saw his star when it appeared. And he doesn't want to hear that. If you're propped up by the Romans as a king of Israel, you don't want to hear anything about some new king being born, right? It'd be like being president and finding out you lost an election. Nobody wants to hear that. That's what it was like for Herod. So he calls the chief priests and the scribes to inquire where, where is the Messiah to be born? And they say Bethlehem. They quote from the scriptures. So God gave the wise men something to get their attention and then he brought them to Jerusalem with that thing and then it was revealed to them from God's word where the child was to be born. So they continued on and followed the star till it stopped above the home where the child was. Do you see that pattern? Do you see those coincidences? Do you see how God brought them in the presence of a person who could help them understand what they had seen? Do you see how God brought them to a place where what they had seen could become meaningful? Do you see how God worked through something else to lead them to the place? And do you see how when they got there, they were able to recognize Him as something other than just a baby or a two-year-old, somewhere between zero and two years old? We could line that up in our own lives and say, What coincidence is God using to wake us up? Who is it that God has walked into our life to speak into our life about who we really are and who God is? Who is it that God has brought into our life seemingly through coincidence? Who is it that God has brought into our life seemingly through just odd occurrence? What is the thing that God used to get our attention? What word happened? What did we see? What did we hear? What was it that woke us up to the possibility that there's a God in the world who loves and cares for us? Do you remember? Can you draw that up out of the well of your memory and give God thanks for it? Can you think about the possibility that you might be that same sign for somebody else? One of the saddest things in the world is a yield sign in traffic. Traffic signs, y'all familiar with those things? How many of you really actually pay attention to a yield sign? Anybody? Got some honest people in church today, don't we? <laughs> Everybody like, no, nah, I roll through them things, man. <laughs> you know, it's uh the closest I've come to having an accident lately was when I was getting on to I seventy seven to head toward toward uh Charlotte and there and it's on uh off of Highway twenty one and, and the when you're coming from the right, you know, you're just kind of used to rolling on through, right? If you're turning left, you're thinking about watching out for traffic coming because you've got to go across the highway to get onto the the on-ramp for the interstate. Well, not if you're turning right. You can just blow right on through that thing. Well, I completely ignored the yield sign and didn't notice the tractor-trailer who was coming from the left and, you know, just kind of ran right on through like he was supposed to stop for me. But no, I was the one with the yield sign. A yield sign. A yield sign means that you're supposed to give up your rights for a moment. That in that moment, you're supposed to give up your own, I can do whatever I want to do Is that a word? Close enough. Y'all know what I can do whatever I want to do is, right? With little kids, we say they're being stubborn. With adults, we say they're assertive. Basically what it means is that in that moment we're refusing to lay our gold down. Refusing to lay our gold down. We're holding our power. We're holding our purpose. We're holding ourselves up as I get to decide what I'm doing in traffic at this moment. But the yield sign says something different. The yield sign says it's time for us to take our foot off the pedal, put it on the brake and slow down and watch. And let the person coming left go. The star for these people was a yield sign. It was time for them to yield their interest and yield their place. It was time for them to yield the comforts of their home. They wandered across the desert for who knows how long following a star. They didn't jump in their car and do 80 miles an hour from here to Boston. It was worse than that. They walked and rode a camel that moves very slowly. They left comfort, they left all kinds of things behind to move into this season of yielding themselves to something greater than themselves, which is even more significant if the tradition is right and they were kings. Because if the tradition is right and these people were kings, then what you see is an image of three kings coming to bow down before a baby king, coming to worship him. They yielded themselves. The same thing happened with the shepherds from Luke's story. Luke doesn't tell us about a star, but he tells us about the bright light of angels. Another reason that I think that the star may have actually been an angel. But that's an aside point. Luke tells us that the angels sang and that the shepherds were filled with light and with the love of words and the promises of God sang in a song. And they're sent, in a sense because after the vision is over they say to themselves let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that God has revealed to us this thing that God has made known to us and the angels were for them a yield sign and so they yielded their responsibilities to their sheep they yielded everything else that was important to them they yielded their own livelihood they yielded to the possibility that some other person could come take their sheep or some wild dog could eat their sheep they yielded themselves completely to the possibility that God was doing something in the world worth yielding to. Do you see that? They paid attention to the sign in front of them. What I want to promise you as you enter into a new year is that God is at work in your life that there are signs in your life that God is at work in you and for you to accomplish something through you and to transform you more and more into a person who is a representative reflection of the glory of God. A person who is a person who loves God and loves their neighbor as theirself, A person who is a reflection of the divine love that lived in Jesus Christ. God is at work in you, bringing you and giving you signs that call you to yield yourself to Him. Those signs are there. There are people in your life who are put there to get your attention. The question is, will you look for them? If the Magi hadn't been sourcing the sky for new things, if they hadn't been watching the stars then they never would have seen the star that they were given. If they had seen it and said, ah, it's no big deal, they never would have experienced what they experienced. The same thing is true. When Nathaniel was sitting under a tree and Andrew came to him and said, hey, we found the Messiah, it's Jesus from Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Andrew said to him, come and see. And he got up and went. He yielded himself to the sign that had been given to him. Who are those people who are speaking God's Word into your life? Who are those people who are inviting you into a deeper relationship with God? A deeper knowledge of Christ? A deeper sense of what God might be doing in your life? I want simply to urge you to pay attention to them to watch for them. This year, keep your eyes open for the simple signs that God uses in the world to draw people to Himself. Because God is working to draw you to Himself. There is no mistaking that. That is what this sign of the star means for us. It means that God intends to reveal Jesus to people, including us. The sign given to the shepherds you will go to Bethlehem and you will see a, a lamb a, a, excuse me a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes was a sign to them because the tradition says that these shepherds who were around Jerusalem were the ones who raised the lambs for the Passover slaughter and that lamb was swaddled with cloths to keep it from getting blemished after birth from cutting itself with its hooves it was bound so that limbs would grow straight That was a sign for them to yield themselves to what God was doing in the world. Those same signs exist in your life. Signs that are like those. There was nothing dramatic about Mary wrapping her baby up. Every parent wraps their baby up to keep it warm. But for the shepherds, it was God at work shaking their consciences to recognize their King. There's nothing odd about a comet or a star. New stars are born all the time somewhere in the universe. But yet God used one to get the attention of these wise men, these astrologers who came from Babylon most likely. And knelt on the earth and worshipped him. Those signs are present in your life. So back to New Year's resolutions. You want to make a resolution that will matter, one that you can actually keep, one that won't open you up for failure? Make a resolution today to be more attentive to the possibility that God might be working to get your attention. Pretty simple, right? I think it is. Be aware that God wants to reveal God's self to you. There's an awesome promise in James chapter four, verse eight. It says, "If you draw near to God, God will draw near to you." The only way that can be possible if God is, is if God is actively drawing near to us all the time. And in this story, we see God literally drawing people to God's self in Jesus. That is what is happening here. So James's promise to us must be true. And if we open ourselves up to be able to see those signs and those ways that God is working in our lives, if we'll stop ignoring coincidences and brush them off, if we'll listen closely to the voices that speak to us, there's no telling how God might use us. I'll tell you a personal story. It's short. (laughs) Vincent Huckabee. The sweet 90-something-year-old man in the church that I was last a member of in Swansea, South Carolina. Vincent didn't know it, or at least I didn't think he would know it, but I was wrestling with my call to ministry as an adult that I had ignored for 18 years at that point. I had been successful at saying, this isn't who I am, this isn't who I want to be. But one day, after I had filled in for our pastor... So he could go on vacation. Vincent Huckabee walked up to me and said, you'll go, won't you? We'll vote for you. And our system, our staff parish relations committee, has to vote for a person to be going into ministry. The first thing that happens is a person who wants to be a pastor meets with their staff parish or pastor parish relations committee and they affirm that they see a call in this person. And they send the person into ministry. And what Vincent was telling me, is that he and the other people who were involved in that ministry of the church saw in me a calling. He didn't know I was struggling with that. He had no clue. But because I was listening, Vincent became a sign to me that this was possible. That what I'm doing right now was real for me. What if my ears had been closed? What would I have missed out on? What if I brushed him off as just being a kook? What if I had said, oh, that's silliness. That's not God speaking through him. I would have missed out on the best 15 years of my life. What are we missing out on? Because we dismiss the voices of God's people. Because we dismiss the voice of Scripture. Or we dismiss the opportunity to worship as something that is on the tangents of our life. What happens then is we miss our calling. We miss the opportunity to hear what it is and who it is that God would have us be. So if you want to make a resolution this year, I have one for you. Open your ears, open your heart, open your mind. And actively listen for the voice of God in your life. Through things that might seem like simple things, but in the end may be the most important yield sign you've ever seen. What will happen to you if you do this? You will find yourself living out the hope of 2 Peter 3.18. You will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I make that promise to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And invite you to respond by affirming your faith as we use the Apostles' Creed.